Say that the podcast for your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. And joining me here is the director of Mission USA Productions, Jed Brewer. Greetings. So joining us, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Nogar, Tennessee, Lee Younger. Guys, I'm here, and I think that these uh, M&M uh, Chips Ahoy cookies are massively underrated. It's well, a bold stance, and we applaud you for taking it. Absolutely. Thank you. Now, you may have noticed there was a name missing from that list. Indeed. A name that usually goes first. Yes. Mm. Is that because he makes a stop and re-record it on the times I haven't put him first? Maybe. <laughs> but not only, he's not getting introduced last in this show. That would, that would, of course, be terrible. In fact, he's not joining us at all. And that would be Ooh, our fearless leader, the president of Mission USA, Glenn Fitzgerald. He's, uh, he's laid up. Indeed. He's sick. He's got... I don't know, he's got scurvy or something? I think Wait. so. I think scurvy's it, yes. Do you think it would be appropriate for us to do the episode under protest or duress or something well, like that? here's the thing. Glenn's normally the one who does episodes under protest, and yeah. he's got the sash. Right. I don't think we can officially be under protest without the protest sash. That's a good point. Are you, are you suggesting that we just go full steam ahead with no sense of protest? I mean, we can keep protest in our hearts. Well, I, I, I can support that. Well, can we at least wear berets? Uh, are you not? <laughs> I mean, that's just, we have a recording procedure, Lee. <laughs> Put on the podcast beret, Lee. Absolutely. That's, that's the only way the microphones work. That's what Jed told me. <laughs> <laughs> well, given that Glenn's not here, I assume we want to just get straight to the wisdom, really get after it, you know. Yeah. You, Get in there and start answering questions. Well, Jed, I'd like nothing more. Okay. Because I think we can all agree that oftentimes Glenn kind of holds us up with okay. a certain amount of chicanery okay. at the front. And I love nothing more than on the Glennless episode, tragic though it may be, yeah. one may think that the, the only real upside to a Glennless episode is we would get right into it. Fewer shenanigans yeah. overall. Really less shenanigans per minute yeah. for the episode. Sure, absolutely. The only problem with that yes. is we have an emergency. Oh, Ooh. is it a real emergency? We have an emergency. Okay. And I'm not Glenn. I don't go around crying emergency. No, left I and right, you know. Left, right, and center. So you know it's serious. Okay, well, please, you have the helm. I have a, this is the very rare uh, self-referential say that emergency, because this is something we did. Ooh. <laughs> I'm a little worried about us on this, to be honest, folks, so... I was going back through uh, the Twitters, looking for something I had uh, sent somebody a couple weeks back, and I, I came across a tweet that one of our uh, dear listeners sent in on the episode. We we may have pitched the idea of a uh, a parody mashup Greek Fifty Shades of Grey called Three Hundred Shades of Grey. Yes, based on a question that somebody <laughs> sent in mentioning an ancient Spartan tradition of whipping the single men in the village. All this is deeply offensive, and just to be clear, I'm against all of it. That's right. So noted. Yes. So, but the thing is, and I'm against it as well. Yes. And our audience was against it. Lee is apparently not against it. I'm super duper against it. Well, you, you say that Lee, now. You gotta, you gotta get sharper on the trigger, there, buddy. You gotta learn to jump in when things <laughs> that we're technically against are being discussed. I'm just politely against it. 
That's not going to get, got to be aggressively against it. <laughs> fervently. Yes. Fervently indeed. So uh, we got some tweets from people uh, re- uh, shocked that we would do that, requesting that we pay for their therapy. Mm. Um, then, you know, a couple weeks after that, we uh, we were talking, We I believe we tried to declare a beef with the very concept of the discipline of physics. Yes, that, that happened. No Where doubt. I, somebody, maybe it was me, maybe it wasn't, who knows, may have pitched the idea of Glenn digging up the corpse of Isaac Newton, throwing it off something high, yep. and then taunting it. Obviously. Yep. How do you like gravity now? How's yep. it taste? So on and so forth. We got some people react on the social media about how scandalous that was. Right. Here's the thing. Last week, we were talking about a book called Fifty Shades of Grace. I'm against yes. it. Our, thank you. That our friend David had sent us, you know, Kai was like a devotional thing with a goofy title. Um, but then we found that there were other Fifty Shades of Grace yep. on the Amazon, one of which was a Christian erotic novel. Yep. <laughs> and Jed read... Not all of, because it got sections, a little saucy. Yeah. He got read about the first two sentences of this description of a Christian erotic novel called Fifty Shades of Grace in a Joel Osteen impression. That's true. That did That's happen. all happened. But here's the reaction that got from our audience. Nothing. Wow. <laughs> and no tweets, no Facebook posts, no Tumblr messages, no, no emails, which we've occasionally gotten, no text messages, which I've occasionally gotten from shocked listeners. Sure. Um, just, I think, fellas, I, we need sports. I think we may have broken the audience. Ooh. Yeah. We I may mean, have drugged them down to our level. We've gone so far that they are now so completely desensitized that nothing moves the needle any longer. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is I'm, my main worry is, is that kind of um, depravity and horrifyingness now just what they expect from us. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. I'm not sure we can keep that up. Well, I, I think we can. That's not really my, that's not really my concern. I'm, I've of total faith in us on that point, but you know, we want a reaction. So I feel that you know, as as scant a time ago as a couple of weeks, mm. people at least somewhat expected under the guise of a Christian podcast that answers questions and does ministry that we would have some sort of decorum. And we've had a lot of fun playing with that right. expectation and being super uh, naughty. Mm. I feel that we may have lost one of our fundamental uh, methods there. Okay. Just by overuse, we've just burned People just expect us. There, I wonder if there's no lack of behavior that people would not just go, yeah, it seems like something they'd say. Okay. <laughs> You read a, a Christian erotic novel description in Joel Osteen's voice <laughs> and had to stop before the word pulsating, which you then later mentioned that you stopped for that reason. Absolutely. And, you know, just sweet Christian people, church administrators and youth group volunteers and Sunday school teachers around the, around the world who listen to us, listen to that. And instead of going, that seems a little, it just went, yeah, yeah, that's what those guys do. Yeah, that's, that's about right. That's about right. Well, it feels like the only thing we have left, really, is just to flip the script all the way around. Um, really just go in a completely different direction. Okay. I'm just going to float it out there. Total rebrand. Okay. It's the Lord's Day Edification Hour podcast. Wow. I, I don't I don't know if we can keep that up. We'll have to keep it up for like an episode. Okay, so you're just saying we just need it's to reset a palette. Exactly yeah. right. Exactly okay, right. Okay, it's we, the new Coke. It is the new Coke. Everyone will hate it. Sure. Then... Say that classic returns. We'll make millions. Can we still do 80s jokes nobody but us gets? Absolutely. <laughs> oh, good. Of course. Because apparently we can't function without that. Are you ready for it? I can Hit do me. it right now. 
Welcome to the Lord's Day Edification Hour. Mm. I'm Brother Jed. With me, of course, Brother Matthew. But let's not forget, and not last, because he shall be greatest, mm. Brother Lee. Welcome, brethren and sistren, to the Lord's Day Edification Hour. Mm. Good tidings to you all. Good tidings. I was thinking this Lord's Day about that great visionary of our times, Max Headroom. Ah. Wow. Aren't we all, in a way, a disembodied head in a dystopian electronic future just trying to make sense of it all? Don't we all need the sweet release of being on MTV constantly at all times? Okay, this has gotten real weird. <laughs> That's gotten weirder than the normal thing. And also, I think the concept of MTV having program that isn't teenage pregnancy based well, you may know, have also shocked some of our younger listeners. Yeah, Max Hedderim did have a very checkered past, so, uh, you <laughs> <Wow>. know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I, I like that. We can go with the sure. rebrand. We can go just. Sure, totally. Just full kind of uh, acceptable, besweatered. Right. Just really get it in there. I but like is that. It, is it possible that our audience would go like into a full detox withdrawal if we went that hard on it? If we had nothing awful to offend just them? Just nothing awful at all. I mean, would people just would people just go into shakes and shivers sweating? Sure, you got to have the DTs. I think Lee brings up an important point here because well, the other thing, you know, obviously we're in this for the sweet sweet podcast dollars. Clearly. Um but you got to think about what makes your brand unique in the sure. marketplace and um people who want to pretend to be real christian with sincere voices where you can actually hear the fibers in their sweater right i've looked at the podcast charts yeah there's a lot of competition for that okay so you're saying we mm. do want to do that then no no that's that's what i'm hearing a lot of competition is bad right you know matt mm, mm. i just you know i just sometimes i just i just think about the majesty matt of of the glory. You know? Okay, now once again you slipped into one of these characters without mentioning it. And which makes me think that the line between Jed and character has broken down. Yeah, you know, I just I just I just think about I think about the grandeur you know, of, of of the praise. No, I want to talk to Jed. And can I talk to Jed? <laughs> <laughs> this is getting dissociative and I worry. <laughs> J- Jed's not here right now, Matt. That that's the thing. Yeah, I just as we as we gather in this podcast today, brothers. I just you weren't running your cardigan before. <laughs> so wait, we, we, we need like the the uh, like the Manchurian candidate type words to say to bring back the real Jed. You could try and think what my trigger word might be. <laughs> Pass. Nope. Nope. I think uh, that's not the way we want to shock the audience. <laughs> Here's here's what I love is when we try and get away from awful, it all just yeah, it finds us. That. Yeah, wherever I mean, you go, there you are. Yeah, the the oftenest will find us. Yeah. Well, I think what we this is we may have proof positive that no matter how low we drag the audience, we always have another gear to go. Always, absolutely, absolutely. You thought, you thought, reading erotic Christian novels in Joe Osteen's voice was you thought you know what I'm not going to mention anything. On the social media is because a that's what I come to expect from these group of miscreants. Yeah, and b that's about as bad as it can get. Yeah, no, we can get way way worse. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna get dark. <laughs> yeah. Here's the other thing, folks. You know, um, you know, you have a child and they do something that it's not that impressive. You know, I you know I rode the bike without training wheels or whatever. It's big for them, but you have to you have to make a big deal. I'm oh macaroni thing, yay, yay, go on because you want to encourage that behavior and discourage sure. other behaviors. 
you people need to start acting shocked at the things we say. Or it will get so Yeah, or we're going to escalate this. Worse. <laughs> yeah. It's going to get kicked up quite a bit. <laughs> and that's without Glenn being here. That's definitely that's true. true. And he will openly admit this. One of Glenn's favorite things in the world is a joke that only he thinks is funny. Yeah. And everyone else is horrified by. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Scandalizing people is one of Glenn's great pleasures in life. Yes, and he has passed that down to the rest of us. So for your friendly neighborhood podcasters to be encouraging, to be edifying, just be scandalized. Yeah, please. It's going to be easier for all of us. Help us help you. Help us help you. And on that note, I declare emergency off. Mm. Yeah. Also, another way to help out your friendly neighborhood podcasters here without having to fake scandalizing because we threatened you with worse behavior which is really just so us. You can try give us attention! <laughs> but if you don't want to give us attention, here's the other thing you can give us, which works just as well, and that's money. Ooh. For $8 a month, we don't care what you react to. For $8 a month, you can tell us that we are essentially the Fred Rogers of podcasting, sure. and we'll be fine with it. Absolutely. That's okay. We'll be whatever you want us to be. And that's Bridgebox. <laughs> you got sermons, you got songs. It's all based around a topic that someone uh, submits that for your real life, so... This week, this month is, help me out, Judd. Well, this coming month is, who does God really say I am? There we go. It's all about identity in Christ. So if you want some stuff to encourage yourself on that, uh, a lot of people have used our materials for like Sunday school classes, small group discussions. So if you have stuff come up that, real uh, good thing to do that. And the most important part is you get support missions right here in the city of Chicago, all for only $8 a month. You can't beat the amount of ministry that's done for that price. So missionusa.com slash bridgebox. All right, we're going to jump to our first question here, if you hang on this all the way to the end, I'll give you some ways that you can get in touch with this. First one comes into our email inbox, and it says, Hey guys, I love your show and your explanation slash advice, and I'm hoping you could help me out. I was in a conversation this week with a friend who was upset that a woman was getting remarried while her ex-husband was still alive, since that's quote-unquote clearly against what Jesus taught and is adultery. I don't know much about this one we were talking about, but that just struck a nerve in me. I know what the scripture said about divorce and all, but because of some of my past experiences, I'm having a hard time hearing that a man having sex with another woman is an okay reason to get a divorce, but someone beating someone up, emotionally abusing them, or threatening them, that kind of thing, is not. Sometimes healing from those type of wounds involves leaving for good and moving on with your life, and many times abusers choose to never change. And for people in that situation, because no sexual boundaries are crossed, is the deal that they can neither divorce nor remarry and have families and put that personal hell behind them? They just have to wait for their spouse to die? Is that what the Bible actually teaches? All right, we're going to go through this, but I want to start us off with uh, a little bit of Wayne Grudem. Ooh. Mm. Noted theologian. If you've heard the name Wayne Grudem, you've probably heard it because he wrote a book called Systematic Theology, which is kind of the go-to theological book in the Reformed tradition, which... As much as I don't like being associated with the people who have the word reformed in their Twitter bio, certainly describes the theology of all the people you hear on this podcast. So he's kind of the, the, one of the, the most well-regarded theologians in that tradition. If you go to a mainline Protestant denomination church, your pastor had systematic theology as like their base textbook in yeah. the seminary. So yeah. this is what he had to say about this uh, particular situation when someone posted to him. Now I'm going to read this. It's a little bit of black text. But I think this will give a very good place to start this discussion. He says, my own view of divorce and remarriage is expressed well in this article on marriage, divorce, and remarriage in the ESV Study Bible, and he gives pages 2545 to 2547, and also in the ESV Study Bible notes 
on Matthew 31 to 32, Matthew 19, 3 through 9, Mark 10, 2 to 12, Luke 16, 18, and 1 Corinthians 7, 15. In brief, my own view is the mainstream evangelical Protestant view since the Reformation, the position which is also represented in the Westminster, I'll try that again, Westminster Confession of Faith of 1646. In brief, that position is that marriage is a lifelong commitment, but that divorce is morally justified and does not sin in God's sight if the spouse A has committed adultery or B has abandoned the marriage and all attempts at reconciliation have failed. In such cases where divorce is morally justified, it is allowed by God, but not necessary, and if possible, reconciliation and attempting to preserve the marriage should be the first choice. But when a divorce has occurred for one of these reasons, then the marriage no longer exists, and the spouse who obtained a divorce because of such a reason is viewed as a single person in God's sight and is free to marry someone else. That was really more Wayne Grudem than I tend to read out loud. But again, it's a good place to start. And Lee, I'd love to get you to start us off in the discussion. And maybe let's focus on this idea of there are situations where we can break a relationship where, and he talks about the marriage essentially has failed to exist. Right. This was not, this was not a functional marriage. It is not a functional marriage. And we have to move on in, uh, in acknowledgement of that. Well, uh, yeah, and I'm glad that you uh, asked it that way and stated it that way. What a lot of pastors and a lot of, uh, you know, a, a lot of folks who are Bible scholars and folks just like Wayne Grudem, folks who are, you know, have, you know, PhDs in, in uh, rabbinic studies and uh, New Testament, you know, traditions and all that kind of stuff, would tell you is that... <clears throat> The understanding that everyone had about marriages and about um, and and about um, what constituted an actual functioning marriage, exactly as you're saying, includes all of the things that the Apostle Paul says, for instance, in the book of Ephesians in chapter five, that a man would love his wife as Christ loved the church sacrificially. Um, that that um, all the things that inc- that were included in kind of the Jewish wedding ceremony that you would see in uh in Exodus chapter 21 where the where spouses were they were uh guaranteed the life protection and love and that a neglect of these was a neglect of the relationship that if someone you know so if you have a situation with physical abuse you basically you have a situation where someone is they're operating completely outside of every single recognizable notion of what a marriage is. This is a person who has neglected and is abusing the marriage relationship. It, this is not a situation where you would say, um, this is a, this is a, this, this person is honoring or validating this relationship in any way. Um, I, I would specifically, anybody that like really wants to look into this more, I would specifically point them to, um, a Cambridge professor, Dr. Um, Instone Brewer, um, David Instone Brewer, who is a, uh, you know, a, a, he's a he's a PhD in in uh, the UK, and he's a PhD in rabbinic law and biblical studies and all this kind of stuff, and he talks specifically and at length about all of these things, and just that when you have situations of abuse, one thing that that Ephesians chapter five says is <clears throat> that we should that we should have nothing to do with the shameful acts of darkness and to not 
um, to, to not be a party to them. And that if a person is in a situation of abuse, that they have the right to say, this marriage has been neglected, abused. It has been, um, it is, it has been completely devalidated. And it's a situation that is as, as Wayne Grudem described it, as you describe it, where we are not recognizing what this, uh, what this marriage was ever supposed to be. Does that make sense? How, uh, how I'm breaking that down right there? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a fantastic way to start. And I think that Lee, between uh, the Grudem reading and Lee's description right there, we've really handled the idea of the theology of what we're dealing with here. And uh, so that's, yes, the Bible says divorce is bad. There we said it. But there are conditions on that where the Bible, uh, Jesus specifically was okay with it. We try for reconciliation, but there are situations God is admitting it. Therefore, people should admit it where reconciliation is a, not possible, and B, maybe not even a good idea. Mm-hmm, we right. have to let people kind of move on with their life. Now, Jed, I'd love to get you to pick up on this idea of, so this person has written this question, and it's about divorce, A, mm-hmm. but there's also an idea of, okay, this person said something that sounded real jerky and judgmental and unchristian, but the Bible seems to be on their side, so mm-hmm. I don't really know how to feel about that. So how do we take that idea of when we um, encounter something that biblically the Bible says is right or wrong, but it doesn't really affect our life. It's not, um, and it doesn't feel like that's actually the Jesus thing. Mm-hmm. So when we have that conflict, how do we move on in that in a practical way? Sure, 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 sure. Well, I think there's at least two aspects to this. The first is, um, and I think, um, you know, people in, in the Internet age are really bad at this. But the first is asking, does this have anything to do with me? Right. Yeah. Um, you know, does this uh, do I have a stake in this? Do I have a dog in this fight? Is this is this impinge on my life in any way at all? Do I have anywhere near the actual amount of information it would take to make an accurate read on this situation? And also is uh, w- one of the questions that's kind of right beside what what Jed and you are asking is, is is Am I looking at someone else's family situation? That's none of my business. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. Um, We've gotten the idea that I should have an opinion about everything. Right. Mm -hmm. That's a terrible idea and an unbiblical idea. Uh, There are all kinds of things throughout life where we will observe them from a distance and say, well, it looks like X, Y, Z to me, but I don't know anything about it. Yep. I'm not, I'm not this person's Mm -hmm. pastor. I'm not their mentor. I'm not up in the middle of it. I, it's none of my business. I don't. I don't know all the details anyway, um, so uh, what I'm going to do is have nothing to say about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, if you're if you're wondering if running your mouth on stuff you know nothing about is an unchristian thing, that's a safe bet. Yeah. Um, Absolutely, but even more so with, without that kind of even not being aggressive about it, like our friend who yeah. wrote in the question saying, it feels like all these people say I'm supposed to have a strong opinion on whether or not can I just can I just say wow. Yeah, divorce is probably bad, but abusive situations are bad too. So, yeah, I hope everybody gets out okay. I think, as you're saying, we live in that world of hot takes and black and white, and fit it into a tweet, and you actually don't have to play that game. You really don't. You really don't. And that's for that's for a couple of reasons. Um, the, the first is you actually just don't have to have opinions on things. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you're allowed to say I have I have no opinion on this. Yeah. You're you don't have to pick sides on things. Yeah, uh, you're, I don't. I'm not up in it. I don't have a side. That that's actually most of the time a, a, a good thing. Um, and you're also allowed to say, look, a, a divorce is always on some level a tragedy because it, it's the story of a, a love story that didn't work out. 
sure. and that's and that's crappy no matter what the details are and and I'm sorry for that you're you're allowed to do that too but I think one of the things that we want to look at is if we if we're wondering where to land on something, um, then we need – and we want to say, well, I'm going to go with what the Bible says. Well, that's good, but we need to actually know what the Bible says. Right. All right. Where we, where we run into problems, and this is a problem for a lot of Christians, is they pick up the book – they pick up the Bible, and they flip to a chapter and a verse, and they read it, and they say, see, it says these words. There you go. That's it. End of discussion. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a problem here. The In Matthew 9, when Jesus is talking about divorce, he's talking to a very specific set of people coming from a very specific cultural and historical background, telling them things in response to debates that were raging in that day yep. in their own religious community. Right. He actually, he's speaking, people have come to him and said, there's two sides to an argument. We want to know which side you're on. He's actually responding to that. That's mm-hmm. that's what he's responding to. Here's why that matters. It's not that Matthew 9 doesn't have anything to tell us about marriage in the 21st century. It certainly does. It's that if we really want to understand what Jesus is saying, we need to get into it. We need exactly. to say what was the historical background? What was the cultural background? What was the context? You've heard us use that word on this podcast before. There are tools called commentaries. And they're books written by people who are scholars of the Bible and scholars of the history and scholars of the culture who will break down for you what was the deal, what was actually going on here, what was the context, what was the bigger story and the bigger picture, what was the intent behind what was being said. And there's there's many, many commentaries out there. Actually, if you go to – I know Bible Hub has some. I think, yeah, a lot of yeah. them. Bible Gateway has a few as well. I think – yeah, right. Yeah. So Bible Hub, Bible Gateway, you can go to both of those and read them. And here's what's going to happen if you read those is there's a lot of stuff where – on first reading as, you know, a, a, a person in the 21st century, just, you know, here's the words on the page. I think it says one thing. If you actually read the commentaries, Russ, it might not mean exactly the things that you think it means on that on that first blush. Here, to, to land the plane, let's say this. We have a culture now where people say you either stand on the truth of God's word or you don't, right? And that's the dividing line between people that really believe the Bible and people that don't. Uh, we want to be clear on this podcast. We believe the Bible. Right. Sure. We do stand on the word of God and we do think we should be true to the word of God, but you need to understand what that word actually says. And unfortunately, yeah. a lot of time people who will pound their fist and tell you they stand on the word of God have no idea what that Bible is actually saying to them or to the world or about their lives. There's parts they like and, and parts, parts they, they don't, don't like. like. That's exactly That's exactly right. right. Well, I think you're fans. It's fantastic. I'd love to circle back. Both of you kind of drop an opinion on this. One more kind of follow up question on this. I think, and this is actually not think. I did some follow up emailing with uh, this person because if you send an email to the say that inbox, you have to wait a couple of days, but you will get an actual response. Woo! So I went back and forth with this person a couple of times. They come from a very positive place. One of the things that came up is they said, "I was raised in a rather legalistic kind of tradition thing." So. Uh-huh. I guess part of what I'm coming down on is I was raised to think that if you do something sinful, knowing it's a sin, that's like super bad. Okay. So understanding whether or not something is a sin is important. So this idea of, you know, because the person right in and I had back said, well, here's the thing, you know, yes, but this kind of falls into a situation where we're all sinful. So yes. Okay. Even if you were right and this person got divorced for a frivolous reason, and in, in getting remarried is technically committing adultery. 
we've all technically committed adultery. Yes. The book yeah. of Matthew goes on to talk about that. And this person was saying, and again, it's a very, you got to give a lot of credit to this person for seeing this in themselves because it's hard to see this in yourself. Said, I hear what you're saying. I think I was wrong, but I was raised that it, but like the, the checking someone out equals adultery thing is kind of on a different level because you didn't mean it. <laughs> but if you know that getting divorced and remarried is sinful and you do it, that's naughtier. Right. Which, you know, that's kind of a mix, as Jed was talking about, that's kind of a mixing of actual biblical stuff and super not biblical, just cultural stuff. Yep. Yeah. That, you know, we deal with the criminal justice system. Uh, Sometimes the penalty for a crime you didn't know was a crime is actually different than yep. intentionally perpetrating a crime. But all that to say... What can we look at in this and say, as you're talking about, is this any of my business? Does this matter? Can we go a level deeper as you're talking about here and saying, what does this mean to our fundamental understanding of sin mm. in the sense that what, as you're saying, what does it matter if it's a sin or not? Yeah. We're yeah. all kind of broken people. We all need. So love to get you both on that. So as we're looking at and take it out of the context of divorce, we're looking at other people's lives. Is there any value to understanding if they, this one thing they are doing is a sin or not? Mm-hmm. As we are all sinful, and how's that? How's that? Let's start with Jed. How's that kind of play into, as you're saying, the way we see the world? Mm-hmm. Man, that's a deep question and a good one. Here's the thing: is um, what the Bible actually teaches. Uh, we're talking about Reformed theology. What the Woo. what the Bible actually teaches is that you and I both, all of us, are depraved. Mm-hmm. What it teaches is that we are. Now, are we partially depraved? No, we're completely and totally depraved. Wow, it's it's not the the <laughs> semi and partial depravity of man; it's the total depravity of man. What it teaches, what the Bible actually teaches, is that we are completely, completely eaten up with a cancer of sin. Yeah, and it's it's poured through every part of us. Um, every inclination of our hearts has something wicked in it. Um, even when we try and do good stuff, all right, it says our our righteous works are like filthy rags. Um, so. That sounds like super bad news, but there's actually um, good news on the other side of it. The good news on the other side of it is that we can relax a bit. Mm -hmm. Everything that we do is jacked up. Yep. Everything that we do has an element of something really, really bogus in it. And the idea of living a sinful or a sinless perfect life, that's not on the table. Mm -hmm. Not for me, not for you, not for anyone. So the way that this actually gets lived out is... This is another big word, is the concept of lordship. That means going to Jesus in your own unique life and saying, what do you want me to do here? Yep. See, the thing about a lot of legalism and a lot of Bible thumping is it says, given that we've started at a place of perfection, here are all the perfectly right things that we will do to stay there. Just got to maintain. We just got to maintain perfection. Down here on planet Earth amongst the sinners... We're all in a mess. Yep, yep. We're all in a disaster that is uh, got, uh, you know, it's, it's spiraled out of control. There, who knows how to fix it? And what a Christian does is they go to Jesus and they say, show me what my one next step is. Mm-hmm. Show me what my, my one thing is out of this situation. There are some messed up marriages where the leading of the Lord, if we seek it, will be stay in this and try and make it work. Sure. Right. There are some messed up marriages where the leading of the Lord, run. if we see, will be run, don't walk, get out of this situation immediately. To go yes. back where we started, this is dead. This is dead. Move on. Yes. Christians get really, really uncomfortable with that idea of 
it depends, and we need to seek the leading of the exactly. Lord on a case-by-case basis, because we like black and white answers. Yep. We like the security of knowing I'm either doing it right or I'm doing it wrong, and I can score my performance based on it. But what the depravity of man teaches us is, dude, you're wrong all the time about basically everything. <laughs> yep. you, 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 are, you are a big pile of wrongness all Get the time. Get comfortable with it. Get comfortable with it. And start asking the Lord what to do in your unique, mm. specific life. But here's one thing that we do want to say before, man, I pass it back to you because we don't want to gloss over this. If you are a person who is in a relationship where abuse is going on, get out of that situation. Yes, that is not a relationship. Get out of that situation. Get out of that situation. If you need help finding resources or a place to go, contact us. We would love to help. We'd love to connect you with resources. Get out of that situation. Yeah, and before I throw it to Lee, because I think he has some interesting stuff to say on this, uh, just to reiterate on that, there is, and this goes back to right where Lee started us, um, there is no relationship as lined out in scripture that accounts for abuse. No. You know. No, um, no. Husbands love your, uh, wives love your husbands, husbands love that, if someone's abusing someone physically, physically, sexually, verbally, whatever, that's out. Love has left the building. R- respect your parents does not account for physical abuse. That no. is fully yeah. out. So again, we uh, if it may feel if someone's ever trying to use the Bible to say that you have to stay in this incredibly jacked up situation. Here's the thing: you're just as saved whether you stay whether you follow the Bible or not. Yep. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Presbyterians, but if you want to be reformed, let's get reformed. Yep. Um, do the thing that's good for your own personal safety, and then let's we'll figure out the Jesus part after that. Exactly. We're, we're always happy to have that. And Leah, I'd love you to close on this because you have a slightly similar story of starting off. In a, a pretty legalistic environment, I don't yeah. want to call anybody out, but it may have rhymed with Southern Schmaptist. And <laughs> but then, kind of coming into that more grace-focused idea, where you're not with the term we would use a lot of times is sin police. Uh huh. So, but coming from that thing where Christianity was being the sin police, am I sinning less than them? Are they, and then moving to a part where it's not that. Tell us about kind of the give us a real short rundown of the freedom and the joy that kind of opens you up to you. Well, the freedom and the joy comes exactly from where, from where the place where Jed is, is landing on this, which is when you loosen up and realize that the, because the the environment that I grew up in, and, and I wager it's very similar to the environment where Jed grew up, which was uh, the goal is the goal and the point of Christianity. The point of knowing God is to not do anything wrong. No doubt about it. That's where I grew up. And so that was, that's what I thought basically everybody was on. And so exactly as you're saying, if the goal is to never do anything wrong, then what we do is we highlight all the things in the Bible that we are automatically good at. And we make those the important things that everybody memorizes, celebrates, and rejoices in about the holiness of God. And then the problem is, is that we don't actually get to know him very well. And we don't know what he's like or what he cares about. So that when when you start to get into some nuance and you start to get into some subtlety and you start to find out that there's stuff about me that God is would super like to have a word about, but I've never asked him about it. I've never talked to him about it. Well, I don't I just don't know how to cope with that. But when you get free and you realize, as Jed said, I am utterly polluted. Um, and I have the most unbelievable gift of a, a God who loves me and is un- patient with me in an unlimited way. He is patient in an unlimited way. Is what is what the Apostle Paul says in the book of uh, in the book of First Timothy, I think. 
He has sure. unlimited patience with me. When I realize that, I'm utterly polluted and Jesus is patient with me. Now I can just hang out with him, find mm. out what he's like. And now I'm comfortable going to him and asking him, what do you want the deal to be? Now that freedom is heady, man. That is a whole different angle at this thing. The idea that like, I'm going to die still pretty freaking polluted. That allows me to relax. And that allows me to get comfortable just knowing Jesus and just finding out what the deal is going to be and what it's like. And, and I can tell you, in, in this kind of a situation, as a pastor, when you're free like that and you realize everybody is a mess, one thing that, one thing that I've learned since being a pastor is everybody that looks like they've got it together really well in, you know, in, in church, the only thing I know is that I don't know them yet. Yeah. Yeah. Because I promise you, as soon as something happens and the curtain is pulled back even slightly, I find out that just like everybody else, they're teetering on the edge of yeah. unbelievable yeah. disaster. Yeah. And if we're going to do this well, we've got to talk to Jesus. We've got to get wise people invested in this thing. We've got to get real vulnerable, real honest, and real willing to follow the Lord on it. And as soon as you do that, then he can enter in and make stuff really, really cool. He can help people start over. He can help people pick it back up and everything. Thing. But we have to go there. We have to go with we're all completely hosed and we have a very patient, very gift giving God who's willing to work with us on it. We're never going to arrive to sinless perfectionism. Let's all relax and now we can get some stuff done. Amen. 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 That's absolutely fantastic. All right, we move on to our next question here. It comes in anonymously and it says I recently listened to Say That Episode 214. Why, thank you. And have a follow-up question about the girl who is scared to ask a guy out. What if the girl has already asked out the guy and has decided that she like would like to hang out more? What is the next step for that? Thanks. So to catch up, this is from two episodes ago that we put out and someone basically wrote in and said, I, you know, I kind of like this guy. I don't know what the deal is. What do I do? Uh, we pitched a very, um, I imagine we just yelled to ask him out for 20 minutes. That sounds about <laughs> right. And it's probably totally different the way I went. So fantastic follow-up question here that says, okay, I, I did that. We went out. Now, how do I continue to progress this relationship? And Jed, why don't you kick us off? Well, we're proud of you for asking him out. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Yeah. And we're, I'm delighted that it worked out. I'm delighted you guys had a great time. So there's, there's a lot of ways that, um, you know, you can move it forward, but one is to kind of do a, a, a variation of what you already did, which is to say, Hey, uh, Billy Bob, you know, I had a great time hanging out with you. It was fantastic. We should hang out again. Right. We mm. should do more of that. Why don't you pick a place and an activity and let me know what we're doing? And speaking of that, why don't you plan it for this coming Friday? Um, this is called helping someone get a clue. Yes, this is called <laughs> leading a horse to water. So uh, if you had a good time and he had a good time, the odds are extremely high. He'd, he'd love to do it again. You'd think, well, surely then he would act on that and um you know he would put things in motion that would lead to a second date slash hangout and oh. you might be wrong because men bless their hearts mm. <laughs> they, they they have yeah cavemen so um you know help help him along help him out you know uh, um he'll you know help him get a clue and uh have a blast man have fun well i think that really speaks to you that's a fantastic advice it really speaks to you this idea of um what you learned when you asked the guy out and he went out and he had a lovely time is that uh, the 
whatever you want to talk about, you know, leadership and all that nonsense. Um, right. You asking this guy out did not mean you didn't have a good time. Yeah. You weren't sitting there the whole time thinking about, well, it would have been better if he asked me out. You were having ice cream or whatever and enjoying it. And so, Lee, let me throw it to you. You work with a lot of young people. You do a lot of dating advice. Maybe let's look at the basic structure of what is a next step? So we went out once. Then there's, you know, do we jump right to being boyfriend and girlfriend? Do we just go ahead and get engaged for our Southern friends, <laughs> our Moody Bible Institute friends? Sure, I mean, absolutely. We, do, we hung out once and it wasn't a nightmare. We should probably just go ahead and start ring shopping. Absolutely. But, you know, there's this kind of, um, how, how does one progress a relationship in a healthy way that isn't just uh, jumping straight to making out all the time or yeah. kind of really half-heartedly hanging out? So what, what's the next healthy step? Really cool question. Really cool way to see it. So I would say one one thing that I would try is um, why don't you bring this dude to a hangout with some of your friends? Okay. Um, so like, let's say that you've got some friends that you're on a ministry team with and you have kind of a, a, a training event or something like that. And these training events are pretty low key. There's kind of always dinner and, and, you know, folks are kind of hanging out kind of social mixer type stuff or whatever, bring this dude to that thing. Um, talk to the leader of the ministry and say, Hey, can I bring this guy along? Great. Probably won't have a problem with it. Bring him along, get, get to know some of your friends. If you guys go hang out afterwards or something like that, take the dude along and just see how your friends interact. See how he interacts with your friends. See if you can get, um, see what the chemistry is like uh, around the people that you're with all the time. Because one of the things is, is if this relationship becomes serious, then um, you're going to want to have a, a, a cool uh, rapport it, with your relationship and your friends, if that makes sense. So you're going to want the, the dude that you're with to have a, a good, you know, to get along with your girlfriends, your roommates, your whatever. And so, so I would say a great next step would be to do that, to include this dude with in a hangout with your friends. It works the exact same way with guys that want to figure out how to do date number two with a girl that you're into. Bring her along to hang out with a mixed group of some of your friends. Um, that, would be, that would be certainly a, a great place to start. Here's one thing I would say. <clears throat> date number two, not the time to meet your parents. Yeah. Oh, um, sweet Lord. Don't do that no. yet. Um, don't do that. And and look, and here's the thing. The reason that I, and some of you are going, well, duh. But the reason I say that is because um, I've seen it so many times. Yeah. It'll never be over for me. You know, and, and there's no faster way to kill this deader than a hammer than to go ahead and start meeting the parents and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Don't do that yet. We're not ready to do that. Well, and just to be clearly, I imagine you're talking about Meeting the parents as an activity. If you're 16 and you're picking your upper house with second coffee oh, and you walk yeah. in and say, hey, Mr. Johnson, I'm I'm Bob. It's nice. I'm really for a That's not the same as meeting the parents as yeah. an activity. Yeah. What right. I'm talking about is like, all right, it's the second time that I'm dating this guy. We have literally spent six hours together in the history of the world. Now we're going, he's going to come over to my house, have dinner. We're going to play board games with my family. Ooh, and that's the night. Oh. Yeah. That's not it, man. No, don't do that. Now I think it's, it's all really good stuff. There's, there's a smart thing going on here, which our, our friend is um, very wise to ask because there is this nebulous thing that exists. There are kind of relationship stages, define the relationship. If you've ever heard any Christian books about, or sermons about dating. So there is first date gets talked about a lot. Engagement gets talked about a lot. The, um, 
are we exclusive or boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever he's talked about a lot. There is this kind of nebulous in between thing, whereas both these guys are indicating a, you can do a lot of stuff. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Depends on what you want to do. Maybe you say, you know, I hang out with this dude and it was fun. I don't know if I want to invite him to a thing because Matt's pressure and he's not the kind of dude. That's cool. You can do a couple more hangouts. You you definitely want to do Lee's suggestion At eventually and probably sooner rather than later because if all your uh, speaking of someone who's met a couple of them at this point, uh, if all our friends hate you, you're dead in the water, dude. Yeah. So yep. might as well find that out now. Now, important caveat, if you're a dude, do not invite this girl to a hangout with just you and your dude friends. Yep. That's the worst possible idea. Yeah. Involve some female friends in this. Yep. Yeah, that's why I said mixed group of friends. Yes, that's important. <laughs> but there is this middle ground where as long as it's something and you're having fun, it's fine. Yeah. Right. You don't have to jump straight to dating. You don't have to jump straight to group, whatever. If your thing is, I would like to have coffee again because it went great. It didn't go that great. Great. If your thing is, I want to invite him to church. Great. But as both Jed and Lee are pointing out to if you're having fun, figure out your own thing and keep that momentum going. And this is a situation where there are a couple of these in life where anything is better than nothing. Yep. Right. But, and this is an important thing, the uh, physical boundaries conversation needs to happen like now. Yeah. You don't have to be waiting, dating to to have that conversation. If we're getting to the point where you're thinking about uh, physical co- contact with this person. Which that, you are. That that's something you might like to uh, experiment on. Which you do. Yeah. You can go ahead and have... Some version of the physical boundaries conversation. It doesn't have to be your whole history and what you want it to be and going forward. You can save that. That's another thing you can do in steps, but you got to say, hey, you know, just in case you're thinking this is going to be one kind of thing, it's not going to be that. Are we yep. still cool? Yeah. That's yep. cool. And again, that's these are the kind of things you can roll out in a no pressure situation and see how that works. And that's part of a relationship progressing as we move forward something or it not working out. Like as we said before, if you say, by the way, you know, it's not going to be that. And they say, oh, no, premarital sex is like my hobby. That's, that's what, what I'm doing. To. That's what I thought it was. <laughs> we, can, we can break. That's fine. Sure. That's all success. All right. A lot of good stuff there. We'll move on to our final question here. Comes in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox, and it says, can you help me understand Galatians chapter 5, 19 to 21, and Ephesians chapter 5, verse 5? There's this idea of a kingdom of God and that sinners will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, what about repeated sin? Like, I'm still trying to fight against sexual sin and lust and greed and pride and impure thoughts, but I still do them all the time. Well, they said sometimes. I'm editorializing, too. All All the the time. time. (laughs) According to those verses, it sounds like you can be kept out of the kingdom of God, even if you're a Christian, but you still sin. And Lee, why don't you start us off with this one? Uh, First of all, the scripture is very clear. And as we've already talked about tonight... We are all super duper sinful. Um, we need to be very, very clear about that when, and, and have a lot of freedom in that, like we said earlier, so that you can relax. The scripture yep. is clear that anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Um, you have changed records with Jesus, who is perfect. Um, Jesus said, anybody who hears my words and believes him who sent me has everlasting life, has already crossed over from death into life, will not come into judgment. And that that's important. You need to have some handholds there. The book of Romans chapter eight, verse one says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Now, all of that is, is designed to help you know some things for sure. I am forgiven. I will not be condemned. I will not be judged. 
I still am going to be, as we've said already on this very episode, I still am going to be polluted. I'm still going to be sinful. I'm still going to screw up all the time. And and the thing is, is that um, that is that's going to be all of us. There's nobody that by the time they pass away and get ready to go into glory, there's none of us who got so super squeaky clean and sinless that we pretty much could have waltzed on into heaven on, on our own merit. That person doesn't exist. And that's an important thing so that you can keep your head in this kind of stuff. One thing that I do like about the way that the question was asked is, and I want to focus on for a minute, is <clears throat> that a lot of times when Paul does those lists, he says, you know, this kind of person, this kind of person, these things, this greed, sexual immorality, all these things. He's, he goes on to say, this is what, like, for instance, in 1 Corinthians, he says, this is what many of you were before you yes. were called, mm-hmm. but God has rescued you and he's changed you. Um, you still sin, you still fall, you still want some wrong things. But one thing that's true about you, and this is true of anybody in Christ, your affections are changing. And what the things that you want and the things that you and, and the the way that you're living, you are beginning to change from the inside. And I want you to I want to say that so that you know that these are signs of life. These are signs to tell you I am in the middle of a process with God who is working on my life and changing me. I'm never going to be perfect. I'm always going to have a whole lot of corruption and pollution and just layers of weirdness and selfishness and all that kind of stuff. But um, I, and, and, and maybe I was on one of those lists, but I am a new creation. God is changing me and I have all kinds of signs of life. People in my life see it. My friends who know me see it. My pastor, my mentor, I am changing. I'm not going to be there 100% before I pass away and go into glory, but I am changing, and these are important signs of life. A truly fantastic place to start, and I'm going to throw it to Jed, but before, um, I'm going to give us a little kind of the Bible breakdown on this. Normally, this is what Glenn does, but he has uh, left us. Yes, he's abandoned us. That's right. In our hour of selfish need. infections. How dare you get sick like a person? I don't feel like he cares about me. Yeah. But uh, so you mentioned both Galatians 5 and Ephesians 5. So there's a word in there, and it says that, you know, people who do these things with the sexual sin and the lust and the greed and the pride, it, it says a very specific thing. It doesn't say they won't get into the kingdom of God. It doesn't say the kingdom of God is not for them. It doesn't say that we reject the kingdom of God. It says they will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's a very specific word that Paul uses, and the Greek word is kleronomain. So he used that both ways. In both places, that means something very specific. That means to inherit by hereditary right. You are owed this thing. It is yours. You deserve it. Now, we so all that say, we go to John Calvin. That's right. That one. This is the most reformed episode of this podcast Woo! ever. We gave you Wayne Greenham and John Calvin. Your Presbyterian should be very happy. But this is his commentary on Galatians 5, and he says this. They who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. The word clarinomain signifies to possess by hereditary right, for by no right but that of adoption, as we have seen in the other passages, do we obtain life. Yeah. He's saying something very specific, which is, as you say, I, I, he's, you know, Paul's talking about people with lust and greed and kind of sounds like he's talking about me. He is. He's talking about all of us, yeah. and none of us inherit the kingdom of God. Yeah. We are adopted into the kingdom of God. Something very different. And Jed... 
within that lens of yeah. now what that, then that verse becomes, as you said about something earlier, this verse that looks like bad news becomes good news. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That we don't get the kingdom of God because we deserve it. We get yeah. it because it's a gift. How's that change what we are reading here? That's a great question, man. It's a great question. Let's pull the camera back for a second, all the way back. And actually, speaking of cameras and lenses, let's talk about movies for a second. Woo! When you want to understand a movie, one of the very first questions you ask is, what kind of movie is it? Mm-hmm. And you mean this, is it an action movie? Is it a horror movie? Is it a comedy? Is it a romance? And once you have the answer to that question, you know how to understand the movie. Sure. You, you know, basically everything's going to happen in this movie. You know, you see the first couple of main characters, you know, every plot point that's going to yep. occur, but you have to know what kind of movie it is in order to understand it. In fact, one of the least, you've probably done this before. You've probably seen a movie thinking it was one kind and it turns out to be a different kind of movie. Oh, there's yeah. a special place in hell for those trailer editors. And it totally freaked you out because you didn't. You you went in expecting the wrong kind of movie, and then it wasn't satisfying. Most of us have had that happen, you know, at least a couple of times. Okay, similar thing. Here's why I mentioned that. We need to know what kind of story the Bible is. Okay. Right? It turns out the Bible is a love story. Mm. That's the kind of story the Bible is. The Bible is a love story about God loving you. Yep. About God saying, there is this person who I love desperately who is lost and hurting and alone and doomed, and I will do anything to get them back. Mm, Yep. If you've ever seen Taken, it's Liam Neeson on steroids. He will stop at nothing to get this person back. That is your favorite analogy you've ever come up with, isn't it? I'm very, very pleased with myself. (laughs) Well, you should be. And God does have a very specific set of skills. That's that's true. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. The Bible is a love story about God loving you and seeking you and stopping at nothing to get you back and ultimately giving his life in order to have you for his own. That's what the Bible is about. The reason this is important is if we approach the Bible thinking it's a different kind of story, we're going to misunderstand what's going on. Mm-hmm. If you if you read the Bible thinking it's a horror story, you will not get what's being said. You will not understand the narrative that is before you. The Bible can only be properly understood when we say, this is a love story. Mm-hmm. Yep. This is a story about God loving me and seeking me. Here's why this matters. Let's take it back to this verse. Anytime we see a Bible verse that appears to be saying, and this is why you are excluded from the good things God has for you, we know, man, I'm reading the wrong kind of story here. Mm-hmm. Uh, love stories are not about the uh, lover excluding the beloved. That's yep. that's not how love stories work. Right. Love stories are about the lover finding a way to get the beloved hooked up. And you are God's beloved. So when we run into verses like this, we need to dig deeper. There's something there that we're not understanding, but we can only know that when we know what kind of story the Bible is. Let's go all the way back to our first question for a second, You know, this, this divorce question. Here's what you need to know. When the Bible appears to be saying something cruel and terrible, when it appears to be placing an impossible burden and a death sentence on people, let that drive you to look closer. Mm-hmm. All right. The Bible says about God, of his character, that God desires mercy, not sacrifice. When we read something in the Bible and there's no hint of mercy in it, we can be sure we're not yet understanding what that thing is saying. Right. Mm-hmm. When we read something in the Bible and it doesn't seem like a love story, that means we don't understand it. 
The Bible is a love story. Your life is a love story. And anytime we get confused on that, we need to take a closer look and figure out how this fits in to the love story that God has written in the Bible and in your life. Absolutely. That's a fantastic place to stop. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumble.com. You can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash thebridgechicago. You can also find us on Twitter at thebridgechi. You can find each of our individual hosts on those places as well. You figure out how to do that. Sure. It's, our names are not that hard to find. Um, so we, uh, we're going to take out this week the song. This is a song, a uh, worship song Jed wrote for the guys and gals at the bridge. It's about kind of, in a large way, for kind of figuring that out. This kind of stuff we're talking about. Keep going. Don't give up. It's a great song called God Don't Let Me Quit. We're going to yeah. take out with that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Normally, Glenn would say something very funny here, but we didn't think about that in advance. So we don't have anything. Good cover. <laughs> God, so let me quit. Jesus, I don't have the strength unless you give me it. God, so let me go. Selling out on who I am when you were gone before your own.